Welcome back to Extra Butter. It is episode 10. We are doing a Batman-themed episode. Today we are talking about the 2022 film The Batman, as well as the 2005 movie Batman Begins, a very Batman-centric pod for you guys today. But before we hop into that, uh, what's everyone been watching? Ezra, how about you? Hey, Josh. Great to be here. So I great to have got you. a couple movies out of the way. I watched uh, Turning Red last night, which I really enjoyed. It's Pixar's new film. I found it uh, really enjoyable. I'm going to probably watch it again this week with my parents. Um, check it out if you can. It's on Disney Plus exclusively, so it's not in theaters. It would have been nice to see this in theaters. Um, actually, speaking of theaters, this was my first time I saw the Batman for the pod. And that was my first time going to the movie theater since I went and saw Knives Out in Kiryat Hasharon in 2019 so it was nice to be back uh other a couple other things i watched is i started winning time the lakers dynasty series by adam mckay on how is that i've been meaning HBO. to check that out i enjoyed it um it is a little too gimmicky like adam mckay type gimmicky where there's lots of like talking to the breaking the fourth wall a lot of like graphics on the screen to explain things but I'm enjoying it so far. It's only one episode, so we'll see. And then I also watched a movie called The Thin Man, which is a classic film from 1934 about a couple, Nick and Nora, and their dog who uh, are bored, so they solve a murder. And it's actually quite good. And I was actually surprised because it must have been before some of the more modesty rules came into effect in Hollywood. I can't remember the name of the laws, but they made specific laws about like what you can and cannot show. Because I feel like I'd never seen a movie that old with a couple that was as flirty and as like open, like joking around, making jokes about like hooking up and stuff. I, I had never seen that in a movie that old before, um, but I really liked it. If you guys haven't seen it, it's on Netflix or it's on HBO Max, I should say. And I actually really liked it. So I think maybe you guys might get a kick out of it as well. Uh, but that's really it. Um, of course, I'm still chugging through Psych. I watch an episode every now and then. Uh, love it. Uh, but that's it. How about you, Len? What's good, fellas? Happy to be here. Um, yeah, so I kind of just watched the movies for the pod. Um, I read a lot of material related to the Batman, which I'll get into in my review. Um, but aside from that, I finished Peacemaker, uh, finished uh, Pam and Tommy. Um, but yeah, how about you, Josh? What have you been watching? Great question. Also glad to be here, fellas. So I didn't have a ton of time this week. Uh, I did start the Elizabeth Holmes uh, show on Hulu. It's a new take on the whole Theranos thing. It's directed by Michael Showalter, who's... I'm not a huge fan of him as a director. I know he did, I believe, Eyes of Tammy Faye, which we recently reviewed on the pod. So I think uh, it's okay so far. I think Amanda Seyfried is knocking it out of the park. One thing, I don't know, have you guys seen Lost? But uh, you explicitly told me to not watch Lost. Yeah. So the guy who plays Saeed in Lost is in this playing Sonny in the Elizabeth Holmes story. It's a little bit it's a little bit weird. Uh, I watched The King's Man, which I mentioned last week I'd started. Uh, it's pretty bad. Pretty bad movie. It stinks. It's the it worst. Stinks. Yeah, it's not the worst, but it's not very good. I am also I watched the 2022 thriller Kimmy. Uh, Steven Soderbergh, one of his kind of weird little movies. I kind of wish he'd take a break 
uh, from disrupting the film industry to like go back to making good movies. But uh, until that happened, Kimmy was a passable thriller. And then I also watched Drive My Car, which is a Japanese movie that came out in 2021 that got a Best Picture nom, so I checked that out. Uh, I won't get into that in case we want to review that on the pod in the future. And then something I also watched was the Obi-Wan trailer, which I am very excited for. It comes out, I believe, at the end of May. Uh, I would say the trailer for Obi-Wan was the best piece of Star Wars content since at least episode three, probably the original trilogy. What about you? Did you guys have a chance to take out uh, that check out that trailer? Yeah, I'm pretty hyped for it. Um, I really enjoyed Star Wars Rebels and the, um, uh, what are they called? The Inquisitors. I- I'm glad we get to see a more uh, more in-depth, um, get a more in-depth look at them. Although, um, they don't really look as, uh, it's not like a one-to-one scale, but they're very interesting characters and I'm glad we get to see more of them. Ezra, did you have a chance to look at that trailer? I did. I am hype. Uh, I can't believe I keep letting Star Wars do this to me. I keep letting them hype me up. (laughs) And it's been a mixed bag. But I love Star Wars, and I can't help it. And so I'm super excited for this. I agree with Josh. Like, this might be the most hype I've been for science. I mean, when Duel of the Fates dropped. That was was pretty good. That was sick. Yeah. And also uh... knowing that Hayden's going to be back for this. Like, that super excites me. Uh, Len's totally right. Like, in Rebels, the Inquisitors were super interesting. So very excited for that i think this series has the potential to be larger than the mandalorian um i mean it's certainly going to blow i mean hopefully blow uh book of boba fett out of the water because that was a very mediocre series um but with the mandalorian you know that was a pretty unknown character and it was, it was a great series and people were are excited for it and were excited for it but obi-wan is the first you know really major character that's getting his own spin-off series so i'm excited to see like the how this uh excitement builds yeah, I'm really excited as well. I don't know a ton about the Inquisitors because I never watched Star Wars Rebels, so I'll have to brush up on that before the show. Speaking of shows, I made it to a 210 showtime of The Batman last Sunday, a movie we're reviewing now that I'm excited to talk about. So for those of you who have not seen it, uh, The Batman 2022 film directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, when the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement, again directed by Matt Reeves, starring Robert Pattinson as your title character, Batman. You also have Zoe Kravitz in there, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon, and then you have Paul Dano portraying the Riddler and Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Uh, Who wants to take this one first? You guys want me to start? Sure, if you want to, go ahead. Okay, yeah, I could go ahead. So the movie was extremely hyped, and when the trailer dropped, I was cautiously optimistic, partly because of Paul Dano's involvement. Uh, That really encouraged me because he strikes me as a guy who picks his projects pretty carefully. You don't see him in a ton of bad movies. Uh, So when the reviews came out, the movie around 86 on Tomatoes, mid-70s Metacritic, I realized the the hype probably had some legs, but uh, I didn't buy in until I saw it. So uh, for me, I loved the movie. Uh, I thought it was not just a great superhero movie, but a great movie in general. And something I do to test that is if you would remove like the intellectual property of the comic book, would the movie stand up? For example, like The Dark Knight, I think if you took Batman and named him anything else, it would still stand up. Uh, But like The Avengers, for example, those are all based on your love of the characters. 
like Avengers Endgame is a three hour celebration of characters. So while I think it's a great superhero movie, I wouldn't say it's a great movie. Uh, but for this movie, I think it it is a great movie. I loved the decision to go with the more detective noir Batman and less of the classic action hero we've seen in the past few iterations. And I also really enjoyed that the movie's plot was more on the macro level. It was it was self it was a self contained serial killer story. Uh, opposed to like the Dark Knight Rises, which you have a terrorist taking over an entire city, which would almost certainly elicit the help of the military. The movie is dark, brooding, and atmospheric, and there's very little color, uh, which I thought worked well, because when there are pops of color in a lot of the fighting scenes, uh, it really popped. So this movie exceeded my expectations, and to me it felt like less of an origin story and more of just like a great detective mystery. I thought all of the actors and actresses were really good. I especially liked the chemistry between Kravitz and, and Robert Pattinson, who have been friends for a long time and, and were partly cast because of their chemistry. I thought Matt Reeves, who directed this, other movies he's done have been uh, the Planet of the Apes movies. He also did Let Me In. Uh, and he did Cloverfield, which, you know, that's a whole different story. But I think he has a way of giving his movies kind of a larger-than-life epic feel, almost biblical. Uh, the final scene of War for the Planet of the Apes comes to mind, another phenomenal film. So the scene of like Batman leading everyone, and and there are spoilers in these reviews, by the way. The theme are the scene of Batman leading everyone out of the flooded arena while holding the torch. Uh, I thought that looked really good. Kind of had a biblical, almost Moses-like leading people through the desert feel. I don't know if you guys got that as well. Another thing I thought added to that was composer Michael Giacchino, I believe is how you'd pronounce his name. Uh, he wrote the main theme to this movie before it even went into production while the script was still being written. Uh, Reeves listened to it for the first time in the car with his producer before they went onto the stage to do Robert Pattinson's screen test. Actually, so they had the music in mind like before they even finished writing the movie. I also thought some of the scenes where like the car chase scene between the the Batman and the Penguin I thought was really well done. And that was almost exclusively for mounting cameras on the hood, wheels, and mirror and heavy traffic in the rain, yet I thought it still looked great. Uh, finally, you know, it is a long movie, but it didn't feel long to me. I think this movie respects its audience enough not to rehash the Batman origin story or give kind of ham-fisted dialogue explaining who the Penguin is or who Jim Gordon is. Overall, I thought it was a really good take on Batman. It reminded me more of a real movie than a superhero movie, per se. And not only did I love it as a Batman movie, I think it's it's one of the best movies that I've seen in recent memory, especially in theaters. So I was really pleasantly, I don't want to say surprised, because I did have expectations, but I was glad to see my expectations exceeded. I really loved this movie. How about you, Len? Yeah, um, so I'm definitely going to be in the minority in this review. Um, but when I first watched the movie in theaters, I thought it was mediocre at best. I did not uh, see what the hype was. I didn't think it lived up to the massive promotional hype. I was very disappointed. Um, but, you know, after being roasted in basically every single group chat I'm in for having these opinions, I decided to give it a second chance. Um, and I wanted to, there's a lot of promotional material um, affiliated with this movie, obviously, because of how aggressively it was um, advertised. And with really any major um, comic book related release or massive pop culture 
intellectual property that's getting adaptation to film, there's going to be more releases surrounding it. Um, so if you, I don't know if you guys recall this, but when The Dark Knight Rises came out, there was a novelization that came along with it. Um, that's basically true with every single movie that exists under the sun. That's a massive popular culture intellectual property. Um, and this movie was no different. So I tracked down a copy of Before the Batman, which is like the, the prequel novel type thing that gives you some context to the story before it really uh, takes place. It, that's where the, the origin of Bruce Wayne is rehashed. That's where uh, the Joker's origin is rehashed. It just gives you like their life trajectory up to the point of the movie. I also uh, tracked down copies of uh, Long Halloween and Batman Year One. Um, I got the trade edition series of these. Uh, shout out Up Up and Away Comics. Um, Up Up and Away has stores off of Harrison Avenue and Cheviot and off of Kenwood Road and Blue Ash. You know, they have great selections for fair prices. I highly recommend checking them out if you want to get some comics to do research. Sponsor um, us, please. Yeah, this is this is not this is not sponsored. It's just I think they're a great people, great store. Um, but I got my copy of Long Halloween there. And after reading Long Halloween, um, I kind of developed a better appreciation for how this movie was done. Um, and there, there, it's very well reflected in the movie, I believe. Um, so I'm trying to, I don't want to give spoilers for the actual Long Halloween because it's definitely go read it if you haven't. Um, but Long Halloween really emphasizes the role of like the, the criminal syndicate that really runs Gotham. Uh, it gives insight to how the mob controls the supervillain community, for lack of a better term, and how it also has um, applies pressure to the government and public servants. Um, and that's a huge element throughout the Batman. Like that's kind of like the overall plot is just the mob runs the show. Um, so I really uh, appreciated kind of how it adapted that aspect of the uh, comic arc to the film. Um, you know, like Josh, I enjoyed seeing the world's greatest detective aspect of Batman's character. Um, it's it's cool to see that it's much much more intriguing as opposed to you know Batfleck um, Ben Affleck's Batman who was just a rich guy like angry Tony Stark essentially just a rich guy in a high tech suit that would punch things. Um, so I enjoyed seeing this. Um, objectively, the movie is it's high quality. It's very well shot um, and very well acted. Although I will say John uh, Turturro who plays Carmine Falcone was very underutilized. Um, for those of you who don't know, he also plays, um, Bart, he's also in Barton Fink. He's the, the, the lead in that. Um, very, very good actor. Um, I think he was underutilized a lot in this. Um, I also think Andy Serkis was underutilized. Um, although I don't really care for Andy Serkis as Alfred. That's a kind of a separate thing, though. I think Ezra might get into that a bit more. Um, I thought Zoe Kravitz was a great Catwoman. Um, and in the Long Halloween comic arc, Carmine Falcone has like these three scars on his cheek kind of looks like a, like a claw or like a, a Talon dug into him. Um, and in the movie, when the light hits his face in certain, at certain angles, you can see fa very faded scars on his cheek. And when he is strangling Zoe Kravitz uh, towards the, like towards the end of the movie, she takes her like long ass acrylic nails and digs into his face to try and get him off of her. And he, she hits right where those scars are. So my theory is that when he killed her mother, her mother did the same thing to defend herself. Um, I thought aesthetically overall, this movie was really great. 
um, you know, Batman kind of has this art deco, art nouveau revival thing. Like if you watch um, the Batman animated series from like the early aughts, late nineties, you'll see that it's very, very art deco, which is amazing. I love that stuff. I also thought it was kind of cool how like there's a mixture of technology levels. Like you have Bruce Wayne using high-tech computers, their smartphones, but at the same time, his housekeeper is using an old rotary phone. Like what's up with that? But I thought it was cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I had some, my main issue was kind of with the dialogue, um, unfortunately. Um, I really did not like the, uh, I'm calling it transitional dialogue. Um, when they're trying to go from one cut to another, like they have like an intro line. Like there's one scene where uh, Catwoman, Batman, and Jim Gordon are, you know, by the bat signal, interrogating this corrupt cop. And Catwoman just goes, okay, bitches, like to get their attention. That just didn't like, what's going on with that? And that wasn't like the only instance where that was. Um, like there's several instances of just clunky transitional dialogue. I'll have to rewatch it again, just to list all of them, but you know, it's a three hour commitment I don't really want to make. Um, but yeah, um, I had some other issues with it. Not as glaring as that though, but I've talked for a lot. So I'll pass it off to Ezra. Thanks, Len. Um, yeah, I agree with what a lot of both of you guys have said. Len's right. I'll talk a little bit more about Andy Serkis. Um, I love this film. I didn't want to love this film because I'm a hipster at heart. I don't like liking what's popular. I don't like DC fanboys. I think all the Snyder fanboys and all the Nolan fanboys are super annoying in movie circles. Um, I don't like agreeing with Josh. I think his opinions on most things are wrong. I think I oh, that's kind of a ricochet shot out of nowhere, but whatever. Catching Go strays. Off. Go off, King. Um, and one thing I think did help me enjoy this film is, as I mentioned earlier, this was my first time being in the theaters in a really long time. And so I forgot how good movies can sound. I forgot how good they can look when they're on that huge screen like that. It, it, I forgot the cinema experience, which I love. And so it was nice to get back to that. Um, there are a lot of things to like in this film. Uh, Josh and Len have mentioned a few of them. Uh, the acting's really good overall, or um, for all the characters, I thought Robert, uh, Pattinson did a good job. I thought Colin Farrell did a really great job. Colin Farrell, he was almost unrecognizable. Um, Jeffrey Wright as Jim Gordon, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Um, I, I thought all the main characters did a really good job. Paul Dano as the Riddler was really great. Uh, the feel of the film, uh, Josh and Len mentioned this, like the way it feels, this kind of noir film aspect to it, the dark lighting, the just kind of dirtiness of Gotham. I really like that. I like the score. The score's really good. Um, uh, the direction's really good too. Matt Reeves does a really great job. Um, I thought it was cool out. that they had Nirvana write a song specifically for the movie too. That was really interesting. Yeah, I can't believe they got Kurt Cobain. To yeah, come they back got him back. Life. They got him back. It's the we power of the it. movies. Exactly. Um, I also want to shout out uh, Greg Frazier. I don't know if you guys know who this is. This is the cinematographer for this film. Um, in another review uh, by a YouTuber I watched, they talked about him. And so I looked him up and his filmography is pretty short, but he did. He was the cinematographer for Zero Dark Thirty, Foxcatcher, Rogue One, Dune, now the Batman. And he also was one of the main cinematographers for The Mandalorian. And so this guy has to, uh, after seeing this film, I'm like, this guy has to be one of the best young cinematographers working in Hollywood right now. I think all he did was great. Josh talks about some of the filming techniques they did. Really impressed with all of that. 
Um, let's see. Uh, a lot of people talk about that. This movie reminds them of uh, Fincher films, David Fincher films. And I totally agree. Um, Zodiac and Seven are the two main ones that come to mind. Both are really great films. Uh, Gotham really reminded me of Seven in this because in Seven, it's constantly raining all the time. It's a very like uh, it's it's a very specific feel, and in this Gotham, it's raining all the time. <laughs> um, also, uh, Paul Dano's character Riddler is definitely inspired by the Zodiac Killer, and so it makes sense that you feel some aspects of the film Zodiac with this, which is also a really good film that I don't think enough people have seen because it's quite long, and it came out at a weird time. But I think it's a really great film. Uh, Matt Reeves moves his camera around in a very similar manner to the way Fincher does in this film. He has some extended long shots. He has some panning following shots. Um, I, I did find it very reminiscent. Uh, Batman in this is young Batman, which I really like to see. We're going to talk about Batman Begins in the second half of this. And I think that doesn't do as good a job as showing like the evolution of Batman. So I thought this was nice to see Batman in this role where the criminals are afraid of him, but so is everyone else. And by the end of this film, Batman changes where he realizes he has to actually be like a symbol for the city. He can't just rely exclusively on fear. Uh, there's a good scene in the beginning. Actually, the opening 15 minutes are probably some of the best like Batman footage I've seen. Um, and there's a part where he beats up some thugs in a uh, subway station. And the man he saves begs him not to hurt him. And it shows that everyone is scared of Batman. All the cops think he's insane. They think he's crazy. The only person who really seems to like him is uh, Gordon. I can't remember what his rank is in this film, but he's not yet Commissioner Gordon. Uh, but by the end, you know, he is this uh, a leader. Uh, Josh talks about one of the scenes where he's leading the people in the flood as the arena has flooded and he has his um, a flare, flare out and he's leading these people um incredible um and it really shows uh, the changes i really like that they made uh the wayne family complicit in the issues with gotham is we'll talk about i'll maybe mention this again in batman begins review um but uh i don't like how like uh, deified the wayne family is I always thought that was kind of silly. It's like he's a billionaire who's also a doctor who also is like the hero of Gotham. And that's why Bruce Wayne does this. And I also like that they set up that uh, Bruce Wayne's family is full of mentally ill people, which could explain why he dealt with this trauma by becoming the Batman, which is really not healthy. Um, one thing I do have issue with is I do dislike when things become too connected, where... Um, in in universes like uh it's one of the issues i have with star wars where everything is everyone's connected to each other there's just like one family that basically all the main characters come from even though star wars is supposed to have billions hundreds of billions maybe even trillions of sentient life forms sorry to interject sorry to interject uh, yeah Mar Go Mar ahead. marvel does the exact same thing where it's like everything is like this is like tony stark is like the synthesis of everything in the mar or at least up to this point in the marvel cinematic universe so i i very much agree with that point Right. Uh, yeah, Len's absolutely right. Like Iron Man, if you look at especially like villain origins, they almost always come back to Tony Stark, Iron Man. Um, same thing in uh, the original Spider-Man trilogy is all the characters in the Sam Raimi trilogy all had personal connections with Peter Parker before they became villains. 
I don't like that. So I, the, one of the aspects in the writing I didn't like, or the plot of this is I didn't like that spoiler Zoe Kravitz is Carmen Falcone's daughter. I think they wrote that to try to, uh, one of the, uh, one of the changes they made is they tried to make Catwoman less of a great character. She's not a good guy. She's always been a villain, but not as villainous as say, or uh, I should say she's really more of like an anti-hero. She exists in this gray area between hero and villain. Um, but they wanted to like, I guess, explain why she was robbing people like, oh, she was only robbing the dead mayor to get her friend's passport, not because she wanted money and it was an easy score. She's only robbing Falcone because he's her father and he killed her mother and you know all this stuff, not because it's a score for her. I didn't like that. I want Catwoman to be more ambiguous because I think it helps play off Bruce Wayne who has this very rigid or I should say Batman has this very rigid um way he views crime to that point so, um sorry I keep yeah. interjecting but to that point no no go ahead in, uh, in the long Halloween uh, which is you know again the source material for this um Selena Kyle is just Catwoman is just is just that she's just an anti-hero thief you know occasionally occasionally she'll team up with Batman when it's in her interests but she has no greater reason for stealing from people. She just wants shiny rocks, essentially. Right. Um, even in like the Nolan movies, Catwoman is really in it for herself. That's how she meets Bruce Wayne. She's just trying to rob him. Um, she's not like a hero. She helps out because she feels something for Bruce Wayne, but she's not like a good person. Um uh, that's one of the few characterizations I really didn't like. The other characterization I didn't like, and this isn't a this isn't a slight on the actors. I think the acting was all really good. Zoe Kravitz, I think, was really good in this. I just didn't like what they did with her characters. So that's not on her. And same with Alfred. I really like Andy Serkis as an actor. Josh mentioned he's been in Matt, or he's mentioned the uh, Planet of the Apes films that Matt Reeves did. He's the main actor in those. He plays Caesar. Um, he's great as Gollum. You know, he was even great in the Marvel movies as uh, Ulysses Clow. Um, I just don't like this characterization of Alfred. He's too young. I like the older Alfred. I like the kind of father figure Alfred. He's too young in this. I don't understand his devotion to the Wayne family. Like uh, in like Batman, uh, the Nolan trilogy, Michael Caine's an old man. He's like been with the family since he was a young man. He like helped raise Thomas Wayne himself. That It makes sense that he loves the Wayne family. This, I don't get it. Um, he's not in the movie much, I should say, Andy Serkis as uh, Alfred Pennyworth, but I really just didn't like this version. This might be my least favorite version, is if you watch the ones from the 90s, um, he's also an old man. If you watch the cartoon versions, he's also an old man. And he's also quippier and funnier than this version. Um, also, for this film, uh, in terms of plot, I thought it should have cut off the last maybe 10 minutes. I think, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Paul uh, Riddler, Paul Dano's character, is in prison and he meets a mysterious friend who's laughing hysterically. I think that tease, it should have ended right there. I didn't need to see like the Catwoman says goodbye to Batman thing. I thought that was unnecessary. Um, I really like, uh, this is going to be a criticism of Marvel, but I really like that they left a lot of possibilities open. Uh, they didn't kill off the main villains. Uh, Marvel has a huge issue with killing off main villains, which also sucks because then like with Loki, they keep bringing them back to life, which really removes a lot of the stakes. And they didn't telegraph what's going to happen is I feel like Marvel is really about like trying to like plant these Easter eggs that really show you like the path ahead. I think they did a great job where they left a lot of possibilities open. Like there's a new DA opening. It means they could 
try to get Harvey Dent in there, but they don't need to. It's not set up that way. They revealed this mysterious figure in prison. Who knows when that's going to pay off? Like, I like that kind of stuff. Catwoman's gone for now, but who knows if she comes back? I don't need her to come back, but if she comes back, that would be great. Um, overall, one thing that this film, uh, my end point is, I forgot that uh, DC characters are way better than Marvel characters. Like overall, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, I think they stand above the main crop of Marvel heroes. I think they're better than Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, at least in terms of uh, maybe not in films per se, but in like the animated TV shows and the comics, I think they have more interesting characters. I think DC overall has more interesting stories. The animated Um, DC movies blow everything that Marvel's ever done out of the water. Right. And same with the TV shows, like uh, the Justice League TV show from the early 2000s, the animated Batman series from the 90s. Those are all better than almost anything Marvel. Even Lego Batman. Lego Batman, the movie was phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Also great. Um, Not to say that I don't like MCU films. I really enjoy MCU films. I really enjoy the TV shows. Um, But it's nice to have more options out there besides just marvel because for a while dc was putting i don't like any of the dceu films i don't like any of them and so it's nice to have more options than just marvel to get comic book movies um in conclusion i thought this was a really great film i thought this was a really great comic book film and to agree with what josh said uh earlier is i think it's just a great movie overall a great film I think it's enjoyable, even if you know nothing about Batman, if you don't care about these characters, I think it's still a great film in terms of that. Um, So yeah, highly recommend, guys. So what's your uh, rating, Ezra? So I'm going to give it a 4.5. Whoa. Yeah, uh, definitely my favorite film of 2022 I've seen so far. I haven't seen many films, so take that with a grain of salt. But I thought it was really wonderful. I'm definitely going to see it again as soon, uh, not as soon as I can, but soon. Um, 4.5 it who knows how my brain will change because this is after just one viewing so like other movies like the dark knight which i really enjoy i've seen it 10 15 times so i have a much better grasp of where it falls within all the other movies i've seen this one i've only seen once and i'm still kind of uh hyped up on the reaction for it so who knows if it might go down to a four and who knows i might like it so much upon reviewing i might even move it up to a five but no as of right now it's a 4.5 for me I uh, I concur with you, Ezra. I was really blown away by this film. Uh, I loved it. I gave it 4.5 sticks as well, which for me, I've only given 53 out of the nearly 1,200 films I've logged uh, a 4.5. And I didn't give a single film of 21, 2021 4.5. So for me, this would have been the best movie had it came out in 2021. So a 4.5 stick rating for me. Lendale, how about you, big dog? Um four i'm gonna give it a four um i respect this movie um and i did my research and i came at it with an open mind after initially not really liking it a whole lot but my issues remain um so i I can't go as far as you fellas did i do enjoy it it is a good movie but i'm giving it a four okay so it's a four from len and 4.5 from both me and ezra that wraps up our review of the batman before we hop into our next review, do you guys want to give a quick ranking of, of where this uh, holds up against other Batman films? I know for me... Yeah, I, th- I think it's a good way to compare yeah. them. For me, I have this as number two. I've got The Dark Knight as my number one. 
Then, uh, and I haven't seen all the animated ones, but I have Batman Mask of the Phantasm as number three. Uh, then Batman Begins, which we'll get into later. Then Batman Returns, Dark Knight Rises, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Batman 89, Batman v Superman, then finally Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. How about you guys? So I took a little bit of a different approach than uh, my colleague did. Um, I like if you've listened to any of this podcast, you'll know I really love animation just as a medium. I think it's amazing. It's very good storytelling device. Um, so I'm going to kind of set aside all of the uh, direct to DVD or direct to VHS or TV series or now direct to streaming animated Batman content because there's just so much that's so amazing. It's kind of hard to parse through all of it. Um, so I'm just going to go with uh, cinematic releases for now. Um, my favorite Batman that I've seen on the big screen is Will Arnett's Lego Batman, quite frankly. Um, I thought that movie was a great love letter to the Batman intellectual property. Um, I thought it was just a very, very fun movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, next, I'm going to go with uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, um, just because it's a very, it's iconic. Any Everyone our age is going to have trouble associating Batman content with anything other than Christopher Nolan's trilogy because it's at such a high bar and it's just it, it, it ages very well in my opinion I think um the Burton verse which is uh, Michael Keaton uh for those of you who um are not familiar with the now going on early 30 year old uh Michael Keaton Batman movies um I think those are pretty iconic um then number four I'm gonna go the Batman um, I don't think Robert Pattinson is the best Bruce Wayne, but I think it's just a good movie overall. Um, five, Batfleck. Um, doesn't do much for me. I mean, I like Ben Affleck, but it's just, we don't get enough of him. We don't know enough about Batfleck to really have any outstanding views on him. He's just there for probably all of 45 minutes collectively, including the Justice League and the Snyder Cut. Um Number six, I'm going to go George Clooney's Batman because um, that is just, you know, it's, it exists. It's the best way I can put that. How about you, Ezra? So for my rankings, I uh, decided to just focus on live action releases. So I do like Mask of the Phantasm and I do like Lego Batman, but I haven't included those here because I think it is hard to compare. Like Len mentioned, it's hard to compare animation to live action. So I just decided to focus. Uh, Dark Knight's still my number one. In terms of Batman media, I am the same as Josh. Uh, the Batman is currently my number two, followed by Dark Knight Rises, Batman Returns. So I think I'm probably the biggest fan of Batman Returns out of the three of us. Um, number five, I had Batman, Batman Begins. Returns. I think at four or five, I like Batman Returns. I think it's better than Batman '89. That's what I think so as well. And so yeah, six is Batman. Seven is Batman v Superman, and eight is Justice League. Um, I will say I haven't seen Zack Snyder's Justice League, which even though it's also the Justice League, it really is its own film. So I think it should be separated from Joss Whedon's version of Justice League. I haven't seen Batman Forever. I haven't seen Batman and Robin and I haven't seen Batman 1966, but I doubt any of those four will rise above even my top six or seven. Real quick, I forgot to add Adam West in there. Um you got to give him an honorable mention. That 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 dude rocks. R.I.P. So I think that wraps up our review of the Batman. Just to sum up, 
Ezra and I both uh, had it as our second favorite Batman movie and gave it 4.5. Len had it up there as well, I believe, at number four, and he gave it a four. Uh, so I guess that works out pretty well. For our throwback review today, we are doing the 2005 Christopher Nolan film Batman Begins, the movie that really started the Batman craze. Uh, when his parents are killed, billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne relocates to Asia, where he's mentored by Henry Ducard and Ra's al Ghul in How to Fight Evil. When learning about the plan to wipe out evil in Gotham City by Ducard, Bruce prevents his plan from getting any further and heads back home. Back in his original surrounding, Bruce adopts the image of a bat to strike fear into the criminals and the corrupt as the icon known as Batman. But it doesn't stay quiet for long. Again, directed by Christopher Nolan, the first of the Dark Knight trilogy. Ezra, why don't you start us off? Thanks, Josh. I got a lot of thoughts about this. So I actually finished rewatching this at about two this morning so I could be fresh. Um, I've seen Batman Begins... Uh, many many times I really like it but after having seen the Batman and watching it specifically for the show I couldn't help but be a little critical maybe more critical than I normally would be um, Batman Begins gets a lot of credit for what it is it revived Batman after the disastrous take it went into in terms of live action in the 90s it deserves all the praise it gets for that it deserves the praise it gets for really setting the tone for modern superheroes I do think sometimes it gets a little more praise than it deserves. And sometimes I don't think it gets enough because it is definitely overshadowed by the dark Knight, which came, uh, I believe three years later, which is definitely the better film. Um, so it's a mixed bag for me. I really enjoyed this film. I should say that before I get into any criticism of it. I actually do really enjoy this film. I think it's important to think about this in con this film in context of where superhero films were at this time is like I said, Batman had kind of disappeared from movies because of how bad Batman and Robin was. So it had been about eight years since the last Batman film. DC itself hadn't released a film up until Catwoman in 2004 since the 97 Batman. And Catwoman, as we know, is a terrible film. They also released around the same time a bad Constantine film. And they were about to release a pretty bad Superman film called Superman Returns. So hold up, hold up, hold up. I just want to interject. Constantine rocks. We will not tolerate Keanu slander on this podcast. Oh, okay. Um, sure. Yeah, Constantine, great film. Check it out. Uh, yeah, pretty uh, mediocre. Um, and also at the same time, I think it's important to note that Marvel had several successful projects that had just come out. Um, they had just come out with X2. Um, and they had just come out with Spider-Man 2, which are considered really great films. And of course, they had gotten it started with Blade and all that. But those highs were uh, one year or two years previously, and they had started to come out with some real duds. So I looked up the release timeline, and they had just released films like Daredevil, Blade Trinity, Elektra, and Fantastic Four, which are all really bad films. So Marvel was also starting to hit this dip. And so... And if you remember the like Fantastic Four movie and Electra film and uh, Catwoman film, they're so cheesy. They're so cliche. They're so poorly made. That might have been the future of the superhero films if Batman Begins hadn't come along. Uh, Batman Begins has a lot to like. Uh, I think the acting is all really good. Christian Bale, I think, does a really good job in this. People make fun of him for the Batman voice, but I, I don't mind it. Um, the score is really good. Hans, Zim Hans Zimmer, of course, knocks it out of the park as he always does. Uh, the direction's really great. The cinematography, Christopher Nolan, whether you like him or not, 
I think it's hard to say he's not a good director. I think it's hard to say he doesn't know how to make good films. I can't think of any film he's made that is objectively bad. I think a lot of films he does are objectively really good, like The Prestige, like Dunkirk, like Inception. I didn't see Tenant, so who knows? Don't write to me about Tenant. I haven't seen it yet. Um, the plot actually was a little weaker. I thought I thought the plot was a little weak compared to some of the other, and it's hard to compare it with The Dark Knight because The Dark Knight is so solidly written. Um, but I did think the plot was a little weak. I disagree with some of the choices they made. I don't like the Ra's al Ghul reveal. If you haven't seen it yet, this is a spoiler, but it turns out that Liam Neeson's character really is Ra's al Ghul, not the older Asian man that doesn't have any, almost no lines. I think that was a poor reveal. I think it was unnecessary and it didn't matter. I don't know why Liam Neeson couldn't have just been Ra's al Ghul the entire time. They had to pretend like he wasn't. Um... I don't like the villains. I think the villains are all pretty weak in this. Uh, Falcone is the mobster that everyone's afraid of, but he quickly gets incapacitated by Scarecrow. Scarecrow isn't really all that scary either because he's just a henchman for Ra's al Ghul. And then Ra's al Ghul, the main villain, doesn't show up until the hour two mark. So he's only in it as a true villain for maybe 20 minutes. Um, so I think it's villains are its weakest thing. And that's something to say because I really like, of course, Heath Ledger as the Joker in The Dark Knight. And I also really like Bane in uh dark knight rises so i think that's one of the main problems with this film is that i don't think it's villains hold up to snuff also in terms of villains i think they went too big too soon i mean league of shadows trying to destroy gotham i think that maybe was a too big to start with they should have started with a smaller uh, more gotham villain like raza has never been to gotham he shows up to gotham to destroy it as like the new rome but he's not like a gotham villain he just doesn't live there so I think it might have been nice uh, to have like a Gotham villain, even if it's a more small time one like Mad Hatter or like, uh, I don't know, maybe like a Black Mask or something. Um, Bruce Wayne is poorly written in this, I think. I think Christopher Nolan sometimes waxes poetic too often. And so all his musings on like the nature of crime and evil and all that stuff, I found it kind of cliche and not very good. Um, I the, Batman does the classic thing where it's like I won't kill this like small time robber but I'll murder every member of the League of Shadows because I don't kill but I'll or like at the end he's like I don't have to I won't kill you but I don't have to save you it's like come on man like you know those aren't really all that different um, um, also like they have this whole thing about it like how he understands the mind of the criminal because he had to steal for food when he forced himself not to live off his money which if you always have the backup to return to civilization like he does where he just says alfred pick him up in a private jet maybe you weren't really sacrificing as much as you thought you were if you always have an escape plan <laughs> escape route and then he goes back to beating up petty criminals so i don't know if you really learned much about like why people commit crime um i don't like rachel dawes in this i think she's a poor love interest uh no hate but i don't think uh, katie holmes is very good in this uh, I don't know if it's her acting or just I don't think she was right for the role. I'm not going to judge her on acting, but I just really don't like the character in this. I like it. I like uh, the character of Rachel Dawes much more in The Dark Knight, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, don't know exactly why. That's just my opinion. Um, the last third of the movie is really ridiculous. 
because uh, this is Batman trying to be grounded. And then it's about stopping a train with a water device and all the water has been poisoned and all of Gotham is going to re- release a fear toxin and a train is coming at the central uh, Wayne Tower to blow up everything and vaporize all the water. It's very and 2000s. Right. And yeah. So it's a little crazy. Um, and like I said, and comparing it with the Batman is I think Batman quickly goes from, he has his training montage with Ra's al Ghul. He has a little bit of time getting his equipment set up with Lucius Fox played by Morgan Freeman. It's a little too convenient for me that all this equipment is just readily available. It's like, Oh, Batman needs a car. Well, thank God this department that no one cares about in Wayne enterprises has a giant tank you can use. Um, I think he too quickly doesn't have enough like, um, like growing pains as Batman. He basically comes back to Gotham, almost immediately has to deal with Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul, and he's basically become the Batman already. There's very little setup. That's why I like uh, The Batman, which just came out, because it's a little more into early Bruce Wayne. Um, hopefully I'll read year one soon, and maybe I'll get even a better feel for um, like early Batman stories. Um, overall, this is the quintessential Batman film. This is what made Batman the way we view Batman today, uh, especially people of our generation. We didn't grow up necessarily on the 90s Tim Burton Batman. This is our Batman. And so this is how we think of Batman. And no matter what else comes out, this is how we'll think of Batman forever. This is like our template. This is our basis for Batman. And I think that's a good thing. I think this is a really overall great portrayal of Batman. I think it's a great Bruce Wayne. Um it's the weakest of the trilogy, but I think compared to uh, superhero films in general, I think it's still one of the stronger ones. Um, so despite my criticism, I still think it's quite a good film. Len, how about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. Um, no, it's, it's the weakest of the trilogy, but even a nine is lesser than a 10. And both uh, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises are extremely phenomenal movies and this is just this it's a good movie um so it's not quite as you know solid as dark knight rises or dark knight but it's still a very fun movie um that was entirely circular and i apologize for wasting time saying that sentence um i mean i i enjoy it um i think it's a fine origin story um you know like you said it's the first um dc move or not first dc movie but first batman movie since uh the really uh, bad george clooney uh batman um so i don't really fault them too much for giving us kind of a like walking our uh hand walking us through the um holding our hand god my brain is not working uh holding our hand through the origin story a bit uh, i think that's kind of fair if it's been like a decade since you've told the story um and especially in this era where you know every single year there's more superhero content it, it kind of makes sense, you know, not everyone is as familiar with superhero intellectual property as they are nowadays. So I kind of, I kind of understand why they did what they did. Um, I think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty solid retelling of the origin. Um, you know, I could be entirely wrong with this, but if I recall correctly, uh, this is when like Batman went from standard definition in the nineties to high def. And I just think that's kind of cool. Um, I don't really have much to say um, that hasn't already been said, so I'll pass it off to Josh. Yeah, I would echo a lot of the points, especially Ezra made. Uh, so for me, I think this is kind of like the first adult. To be, fa- to be fair, off. I did not make a single coherent point. 
Yeah, so kind of like reminiscent of your drafts on this pod as well. Not too many good points being made. Uh, as you guys know, in the Twitter poll, I did win for an eighth straight week. We'll get to that later. Uh, anyway, so this was the first kind of adult superhero movie uh, in the newer trend of darker, grittier superhero films that kind of became DC's staple, uh, for better or worse. And I did not see this in theaters on its original release but uh, I've seen it obviously many times since. Another fun note about this movie is this movie is actually what inspired uh, Barbara Broccoli, who of course produces James Bond, to reboot the Bond film franchise and reinvent the character as a darker, more realistic character with Casino Royale. So I thought that was interesting. I don't think this movie aged particularly well. I think, as I mentioned, there are a lot of very early 2000s kind of quick cuts and cheesy dialogue moments. Uh, but I think it holds up well enough. Like a lot of Nolan films, I think the dialogue at the moment seems kind of clever. Then you think about it and you're like, wait, I don't know if that really made very much sense. So I think that's kind of a staple of a lot of his movies at this point. And there's some really clunky scenes. Uh, I did like this iteration of Batman, and I think Cillian Murphy's a good villain. I think Nolan also does a nice job of creating Gotham. All the exterior shots are of Chicago. So, you know, it didn't have to do much to make it look pretty decrepit. Uh, the movie does a little bit too much at times. Uh, the plot, you've got the Falcone, the League of Shadows, the Water Vaporizer, the Scarecrow, Rachel Dawes. And I don't think we really got enough of the Scarecrow to make him like a cool villain. He's only in two scenes in the first hour of the movie. And I would have liked more at Arkham because I think it's a spooky location. Uh, overall, though, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it did a great job of giving kind of this dark, grittier superhero movie, like the template for that, as Ezra mentioned. Um, I think its shortcomings are kind of its dialogue. Like for the very end, when Jim Gordon says, I didn't get your name to thank you. And Batman says, "You'll," or Gordon says, like, I didn't thank you. And Batman says, you'll never have to like really like that was a really bad line and there are a lot of circumstances like that in the movie where you know rachel finds out batman is bruce wayne when he says it's not how you fall but it's how you get back up like really we're doing this uh but overall i think it's a really good movie i think it's interesting that christopher nolan directed this uh with no second unit so for the 129 days of shooting this film Nolan oversaw every shot of the movie personally, so you could tell he had personal stake in this film. And I think it tells. Uh, it shows you could tell they care about the character, they care about giving him a good story. And I think the acting in this movie, as Ezra mentioned, I think Christian Bale is fantastic as Batman. I like Katie Holmes, I think, a little more than Ezra does. I think Maggie Gyllenhaal does do a better job. And I think Cillian Murphy and Liam Neeson are both good as well. So for me, I gave this movie a four. I actually used to have this movie rated a little higher, but after rewatch, I'm knocking it down about four tablespoons to a four from a 4.5. Still a really good movie, does a great job of setting up the character, but it's clunky dialogue and overcrowded story knocks it down a peg for me. Lenny, what did you give the movie? I'm going to give it a, a four as well. Um, I really like the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Um, no, I have nothing new to add to this conversation that you guys haven't already said. Um, I think it, I, I think it does age relatively well, uh, considering the cornhole era it was made in or cornball, whatever the, you know, corniness, corniest term is. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's a fine movie. I enjoy it a lot. I'm going to give it four. Ezra, take us home. 
Yeah, so like Josh, I actually had this rated higher previously. I'd actually, on my Letterboxd account, I had watched this about a year ago, and I'd given it a four, a very solid four. But because I watched it with a more critical mindset this time, it was harder to overlook some of the flaws. And so I have lopped off half a stick of butter as of right now, and I've moved it down to a 3.5, a very solid 3.5. It was so close to still being a four. But I just I couldn't keep it as a four. I had to move it down to a three point five. That's what you get um, on this show. This is hard hitting critical analysis. Exactly. I know I may get some angry letters for this, but I have to stick with my gut on this one. Times are tough. We have to start rationing butter. Yeah, we might have to. We might have to invent a car that runs on butter. So just to sum up, I had it at a four. Uh, Len, what did you have it at? Fours all around, baby. Well, Ezra was a three point five, but. Uh, no fours anymore. all around except for Ezra. Uh, so that does it. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have some butter stashed away. I'll give it to Ezra so he can also give it a four. That way he doesn't have to ration. Ezra, are you accepting that? Or are you gonna stick with your guns? I, I have to stick to what I am. I'll just eat that butter, but you can give it to me. <laughs> Sounds good. Or you could put uh, it on your popcorn. <laughs> it's grotesque. So that does it for our review of Batman Begins. For our final segment, we are going to be creating our dream Batman lineups. This is not a draft. It's just we formulated lists. Everyone chooses a, some, a director, someone to play Batman, someone to play a female lead, a villain, a supporting cast member, Alfred, and a composer. Ezra, you're going to go ahead and go first. My first question is, are you going to keep uh, the Batman voice? I know, what's the scene in Batman Begins you really like? Well, my favorite scene from Batman Begins is the one where they're in a uh, shipping yard and there's a guy, he's got like a lighter lit. He's like, who's there? And Batman goes, me. <laughs> and then it cuts to black. It's terrifying. It's brilliant. You know, it sends tingles down my spine every time. Where's so yes, of course, the Batman voice will be kept. Where's the trigger? I know Josh and I don't do it justice, but at least we're trying. Justice. But no uh, for my for my Batman movie, I uh, so uh, just mentioned this, but uh, we just decided to make lists. Uh, we're picking director, our choice of Batman, a female lead, a villain, a supporting character. So this can be any of them, you know, huge amount of supporting characters in Batman and Alfred, the most important supporting character and a composer, because we mentioned it. Uh, Josh mentioned in his review how important the score was. I mentioned in my Batman Begins review how important Hans Zimmer's score was in that. And even going back to like Danny Elfman with the Batman reviews, those are also very important. So to get started, my director of choice is Ridley Scott. There are a lot of good directors here, um, but I wanted to get a classic like action director who really knows what they're doing. I was going to pick James Cameron because I think he always makes really good action films, but I knew Josh was going to roast me for that. And so to avoid myself the pain, I decided to go with Ridley Scott. We reviewed one of his films this year. Um, the Last Duel, which I thought was re still really good, really held up really well. And so I just thought he's a guy who knows how to do action films. I didn't want to go as like uh, artistic. So like I had thought about maybe like Paul Thomas Anderson, but I don't want to go quite that artistic. Uh, for my Batman, uh, this was a difficult pick. There's a lot of good actors out there, but I decided to go with Michael Fassbender. Um, always been really impressed with his acting. I know I made the decision to cast a non-American. Um, but the Brits just play Americans better than Americans do. To be fair, like we've had like, this is our 
third British Batman and we've had several or two British Spider-Man. Like it's not, you don't need to right. be a, an American to play an American hero, apparently. Exactly. All, all the best Batmans are Brits, except Michael Keaton. And Will Arnett. Yes. Well, Will Arnett's when Canadian. Was, so. When was the last time that uh, Michael Fassbender was in a good movie? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I, think, I think we all remember The Snowman. Or do you not remember the, what changed cinema forever? No, I didn't I make you guys see The Snowman? Yeah, it's one of my favorite movie watching experiences I've had. So thank you, Josh. I think the um, last movie that Michael Fassbender was in that had like a solid critical consensus was probably maybe X-Men Days of Future Past or Steve Jobs in 2015. He's got to fire yeah, his agent. That sounds about was, right. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was in a, alien, uh, one of those alien movies. This movie stunk. He was in Alien Covenant, which is actually directed by Ridley Scott. Yeah, he played um, David in that movie. But I don't the think Android, he was the right? in those movies. Stunk. Yeah, he played the Android David and the other Android who I don't remember their name. Walter? Walter, yes. Thank you, Josh. No problem. Um, but yeah, so my envision for Batman in this is like an older, more experienced Batman. I like the Batman from the animated series where he's serious, but he can be a little funny. He's been, he's been around the block a few times, so he's really good at what he does. He's really settled into the role of Batman. For female lead, I decided to make it a twofer by also having it be a villain. You know, maybe a little cheating on my part, but I decided to go with Poison Ivy. Um, in film, she's only been portrayed so far by Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin, and I think it could have been done a lot better. So I, uh, maybe it's a little cliche, but I just thought of who's a really good actress who is often portrayed as redhead as Poison Ivy often is. And I had to go with Josh's favorite actress of 2021, Jess Jessica Chastain. I do like Jessica um, Chastain. Yes. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, we did review The Eyes of Tammy Faye, uh, which she stars in. So please check that out. You can find it where the rest of our podcasts are. Uh, for my main villain, I went with Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage has not appeared in any of the live action media yet, but he is a really great villain in... Um, Young Justice cartoon series and he has one of the best um, one-off episodes in the Justice League animated series um, I think he's a really talented one I decided to go with Javier Bardem for this um, Javier Bardem is an incredible actor uh, I think he could bring some of the energy he brought with uh, No Country for Old Men into this role um, he has he's an older actor now and I think he can bring that kind of gravitas Vandal Savage is also supposed to be kind of worn by life and i think uh he's like he's, he's like lived thousands of years old. thirty thousand like, years or something yeah. yeah he's incredibly old um so i think javier bardem could portray that well kind of a young or younger looking person but with like the age behind the eyes uh for supporting character i thought because i wanted a more experienced batman i decided that i thought uh, dick grayson should have already aged out of the robin role and gone into nightwing i don't include that here so i thought it should be the second iteration of robin which is jason todd i with angus cloud i've never seen him act i know he's in euphoria but he looks just like an angry person and he's like a young actor and i've never seen him act but you're including him here yeah i think jason todd is like an angry person and he just gives me those vibes i'm not a professional casting director i'll admit it right here but i couldn't think of another young you know this has to be a younger actor so someone in their late teens early 20s 
but I couldn't think of anyone that would be good for that role because so many of the actors these days are like uh, waif boys, like uh, Chalamet or uh, the term is twink. Yeah, but I think that's only exclusive uh, within the LGBTQ community, not describing, you know, just this thin emo boy, e-boy, maybe e-boy is the proper term. Um, but I don't think they could, any of them could play this role. And that's the only po- popular actors of that age group. So I went with this guy. <laughs> um, and then for Alfred, I went with Jonathan Price, a very good established older British actor. Like I said in my review of the Batman, I like my Alfreds as old, wise British men. Um, so I think it should stick with that. And for composer, we've been praising him on the show multiple times. So I thought, why not have Johnny Greenwood do the score for this one as well? Uh, we praised him for his uh, score in uh, The Power of the Dog. And uh, he actually was nominated for another film this year. So I think he'd be great for this. Uh, what do you guys think of my list? I like it. You know who I think would be an interesting Vandal Savage? What about Benicio del Toro? Ooh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Or I could see I him. Think I he could see do him. quite well as well. I could see del Toro being a really interesting uh, Riddler. I, I was going to look for a way to get Del Toro on my list, but I just never found it. Should I go ahead with my list? I... So for my lineup, I have a couple interesting picks, I think. So first of all, my director is Edgar Wright. He was supposed to direct the Ant-Man movie, and you could still see his imprint on the screenplay. Of course, he left because of creative dif- differences, excuse me. But I think he could direct some pretty cool action sequences. I know the movie The World's End comes to mind. The scene in the bathroom where they're fighting and it's one continuous shot was really well done. So I'd love to see him at the helms of a superhero movie. My Batman I have as Jonathan Majors. He's kind of had a breakout last couple years. He's in Lovecraft Country. He's playing Kang, as we saw in Loki. But he's most known probably for his role in The Last Black Man in San Francisco, where he's fantastic. He's a great dramatic actor, and I think he'd do really well as Batman. My female lead, I went with Florence Pugh, who's kind of, you know, having a huge moment right now. She really got great pick. I think she got a lot of notoriety for Midsummer, where she played the female lead in that, and she's fantastic. And she's been in a number of other films as well. Uh, But I would cast her as Rachel Dawes. I think she'd be a great assistant DA and love interest for Batman. For the villain, uh, the villain I chose is Hush, who honestly I looked up and I still don't know a ton about, but he looks pretty cool. He's essentially someone who grew up with Bruce Wayne, envied him, uh, ended up becoming a surgeon, and now looks like a mummy wearing a trench coat and tries to kill Batman. Kind of, uh, sorry to interject, but there's a lot of similarities with him and the Batman's Riddler. Interesting. Okay, well, I would cast him uh, Mahershala Ali as that part. I think Mahershala kills everything he's in. He's one of the best actors working now. And I think him playing off Jonathan Majors would be fantastic. And I know Ezra has pointed this out before, but he was really the best part of Luke Cage on Netflix and their decision to kill him off really ruined the show. Uh, Supporting cast, I went with Michael Shannon as Jim Gordon. I don't know if I've ever seen Michael Shannon play a good guy, but I think he'd be really interesting. He's played lawmen a lot in the past. I know... uh, Shape of Water comes to mind, and I'd love to see him take a stab at being a good guy. Uh, my backup for this was Brian Cranston, who I also thought could be interesting. For Alfred, I'm casting Bill Nye. He's a frequent contributor with Edgar Wright, so I think they'd work really well together. 
not Bill Nye the science guy, by the way, Bill Nye the actor. Uh, he's also an old English guy, so I think he fits the role. And finally, uh, my my score would be composed by Game of Thrones composer Ramin Dijwadi. And aside from Thrones, where he does some really good orchestral music, uh, he's also scored Iron Man, the original, and Pacific Rim. So I think he has some superhero experience. So that is my dream Batman movie. Len, how about you? Yeah, I think you had a pretty solid roster there. Um, for mine, uh, my director, so what I was going for is um, there's an arc uh, in the Batman comics called the Court of Owls. Uh, the Court of Owls is basically like this kind of Illuminati type group where it's all the founding families of Gotham City, like all these really influential politicians, businessmen, et cetera, just kind of pull the strings in Gotham, try and keep their wealth within the city, within their families, intermarry each other's families. Uh, it's a very kind of, you know, disturbing Illuminati type story arc. Um, I've always thought it was a very well-written arc as well. Um, so when casting, I wanted to look for something that's, you know, uh, both a thriller and kind of cyberpunk so you can blend in the high-tech aspect of Gotham City. Uh, so I went with uh, Ty uh, Taylor Sheridan for my director. Um, he's directed thrillers like Wind River, um, which I think is a fantastic movie. Very, very good uh, thriller director also wrote one of my favorite movies sicario fantastic film absolutely solid flick uh with batman um looking back at it i didn't know i was doing this at the time but i kind of just accidentally recast spider-man far from home um so for batman i think uh, jake gyllenhaal would be a great mid-career bruce wayne um robert pattinson was you know a very young bruce wayne ben affleck is supposed to be on the kind of grizzled um cynical aspect a late career Bruce Wayne. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is a good marriage of the two where he's just in between. And he does look a little younger. Uh, I think he might be in his early forties, um, but you can always age him up or age him down. However is necessary. Um, I think he would absolutely disappear into the role. Um, for female lead, I decided to go with um, Batgirl. Um, Zendaya is very hot right now. Um, so, and you know, she disappears into every role she's in. I've never seen her in a thing that just isn't fantastic or at least where she is fantastic. Um, so yeah, I think she'd be a great Batgirl. Um, villain, the Court of Owls is like this big Illuminati blob conglomerate. So it's kind of hard to cast a single person to play in that. Uh, so I'm just going to pass. I'm going to say skip on that one. You're not going to uh, cast uh, the owl from Legends of the Guardians, Owls of Gahul? I know, fair enough. I'll have to check his availability. He might be busy, but you know, if he's willing to uh, sit for an audition, we'll definitely be willing to hear him out. Um, supporting, again, kind of went with the, accidentally with the far from home aspect here. Uh, Tom Holland, I think would be a really good Dick Grayson, uh, who is Robin. Uh, Tom Holland is, you know, this charming guy, has a lot of charisma. And in Uncharted, uh, he is very um, irreverent. He's very fun, very charming. And I think he would bring that over to Dick Grayson, who is supposed to be a kind of, you know, counterbalance to Batman's dark uh, brooding aspects. Uh, Alfred, uh, Simon Pegg, I think would absolutely murder this role. Uh, he's a very- That's an interesting choice. Very- You cut out there. What was the last part? He's very young for uh, an Alfred. I mean, yeah, he, he's younger. Uh, I think he might be in his early fifties and Alfred is supposed to be like this uh, distinguished gentleman, but- you know, uh, in uh, Amazon's The Boys series, he plays a middle-aged father and he does a very good job of kind of imparting wisdom in that role. Um, no, I think you could age him up as necessary or um, no, he, he's a good character actor as well. Um, 
So I think he would do a very good job in that role. Uh, like in, in Star Trek, he disappears into Scotty. Um, so I think he'd be a very interesting, I think he'd bring an interesting perspective to Alfred. Um, doesn't have to be, and ideally wouldn't be just comedic, but does a good balance of bringing a levity to the situation and also being the uh, imparter of wisdom upon Bruce Wayne. Um, composer, uh, now he has composed for a previous Batman franchise, but I was looking for someone who could do a more cyberpunk feel uh, while also maintaining that thriller aspect of it. So I went to Blade Runner 2049 composer Hans Zimmer uh, to ideally- Also the Dark Knight composer. Well, yeah, that's what I just said. He composed a previous Batman franchise. But, you know, we never said I couldn't do that in the rules, so I'm doing it anyways. Um, yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my lineup. What do you think? That's an interesting lineup. Uh, I think it's got a lot of youth to it. I really like Taylor Sheridan. I think it'd be interesting because he's kind of known for these neo-Western movies now, right. like Hell or High Water, uh, like Sicario. So I think he'd be an interesting choice. I'd be interested to see this film. That's uh, something I think, uh, I'm sorry to interject, but I think no, something that, I think that kind of neo-Western aspect to it uh, would be an interesting element to bring to Batman, um, especially if you want to blend in the detective aspect of it, which Court of Owls does. Um, I think it'd be cool to kind of see how you blend that, you know, Western ambivalence to a very cynical noir-esque setting. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Uh, I think that's also, we're running over today. We had a long pod. So for Lenny and Ezra, for Josh, I'm reminding you, always make sure to get the extra butter. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Thank you.